0: I am so excited to have on the line with me two women that care deeply about what's going on uh, with our kids, and that is Heather Lodden-Pera. Uh, she is a concerned mom, and I met her after I read the forced vaccination bill that had been introduced down at the Capitol this last year. And, uh, you know, I used to think that the, the reading these bills were above my pay grade, and I realized that actually <laughs> we can understand them. So Heather Laden pera welcome. It's great to have you here.
1: Good morning, Kim. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. And Cindy Loveland is also on the line. She is with the National Vaccination Information Center. And uh, we're going to be talking about data collection on our kids. We want to protect our kids. And, uh, Cindy, it's great to have you here as well. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Okay. Heather, I'm going to have you help me set this up. uh, Because you and I came together. We 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 actually met several years ago. But you'd sent some information to me uh, about these force vaccination, this forced vaccination bill, and I, 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 you know, kind of put it aside. And then when I finally read it, I'm like, I see big danger in this bill. And, uh, you know, I, I personally, I think that, uh, vaccinations against childhood diseases are a good idea. But what happens is good ideas can be then, um, wrangled into something that we never ever intended and that's what I saw with this forced vaccination bill and uh, I think that informed consent is a really good idea that that moms and dads and families understand what you know they're what's going into these vaccinations because what is uh, being proposed now is totally different than when I vaccinated my kids and so anyway that's how we came together so set this up a little bit more I did my best on that. Okay,
1: okay. So we talked a little bit last year um, on a couple shows about the bill that was proposed last year, which was HB 1312. And what that bill sought to do was uh, multifold. One was that it was going to increase the required for school shot schedule from 21 shots to um, 52 shots. Um, So it was going to add about 29 more shots to the school schedule by the time a child uh, graduates from high school. And so you mentioned in the introduction that it's, a little, it's different from when you were vaccinating your kids. And just to put that in perspective, um, when you and I were kids, Kim, we would have had a total of 11 shots by the time we were 18, um, and that would have been considered fully vaccinated. And so now that number is up to 52 on the recommended CDC schedule. Um, so this bill tried to increase our required shots from 21 to the full- um, CDC schedule. And
0: then another. And Heather, thing, let me just ju- yes. jump in there. A danger that I saw with this bill is that it put this decision making on these these suggested or or in a way almost forced vaccinations if your kids are going to get into school. Mm-hmm. And what what I saw then is they they might not stop at fifty two. There <laughs> might exactly, be a whole bunch more that might be coming in.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And in fact, we know that there's over two hundred vaccines in the pipeline um, for various diseases and it would have allowed um our board of health to add those ad nauseum and that's um incredibly troubling um because exactly what you
0: said unelected uh, pbis i'm calling them politicians mm-hmm. bureaucrats and interested parties in this case the interested parties might be the drug companies that would stand to make money on these uh, additional 200 vaccinations so i, I I butted in there on that, but number two, what did you say that this bill did? So,
1: and then, and then, what's relevant um, to today's conversation that this bill sought to achieve was that if a family were to take a vaccine exemption for their child to attend school, so in statute right now, parents are allowed to uh, opt out of vaccinations for three reasons: one, personal belief exemption; two, religious exemption; and three, a medical exemption, and um, this. And all a parent needs to do, according to statute, which is the law, is to write a letter to the school stating that they will be exempting their child from vaccinations, whichever those vaccinations may be. Now, even if a family is saying, I don't want my child to have the chickenpox vaccine, or I don't want my child to have the hepatitis B vaccine, they still have to file this exemption, and it's a letter that's in statute to the school. Um, This bill sought to require parents to fill out a state-mandated form in person at the health department. Now, what people say, oh, why is a why is form such a big deal? You know, why is everybody so up in arms about a form? The reason is is that because these forms that the state has created, the last time they tried to do this after legislation failed, they tried to misinform schools and get parents to register with the state using these forms. These forms contain personally identifiable information on every child. That would be then entered into a state database, a registry, if you will, like a sex offender would have to fill out information with address, with name, into a state database. I find that very concerning because we have no idea, and in this bill, the health department has never created a privacy statement, a policy on what will happen to this data. We know that there is data brokering going on. People buy and sell data. Um, This data can be shared. There were two states um, a few years ago, and their uh, information systems, immunization information systems, were used to push letters out to parents who had not given their children um, the uh, Gardasil vaccine, which is not required for school. This was not told to the parents. It just directed them to go to the health department, or to their doctor and get their children vaccinated for this disease which wasn't on the uh, required for school list. So we have no idea how this data will be sold or used or shared. And there's no limit on the amount of time children's data would be stored in this database. So that is extremely concerning. Data is the new oil, we all know that. And apparently the health department wants this oil from our children.
0: Wow. Okay. Heather, hold that thought. Cindy Loveland, let's bring you in. You are with the National Vaccination Information Center. And this whole data collection thing, it's almost, it's, my head is spinning on it. So what do you think about it?
2: Well, um, I think it's, this, this all started all the way back in 1992. And when, when the law was first enacted in Colorado, this was supposed to be an infant immunization uh, tracking system. So infants up to 24 months. And as we went through the years of legislative creep, um, they, it, they added adults actually um, in 2007. So this is not just a children's tracking system. And they can c- collect that data from numerous places, uh, practitioners, clinics, schools uh health insurance companies uh hospitals and then um in 2005 something that was passed here in the state before 2005 they could not directly contact um an individual or a parent if their child was
0: due for a shot they couldn't just do like a and <clears> who's would recall? that be the the uh, health department or who It could be the health department
2: or their contractor. Who knows? Um, But it would be somebody from the state kind of then. Yeah. It it could be, you know, health department. It could be their contractor. Um, So in 2005, they changed that to where they could do reminders and recalls. So this, this is what can and will happen is, you know, if you've chosen not to Vaccinate your child for you know any number of vaccines, you could get a reminder and a recall um, so
0: okay, so you, you know, could we, get that, and we're like, well, why would you be concerned about that? but many times, and i 'm seeing this cindy in in other arenas here is I was talking about the electric vehicles. if somebody wants to purchase an electric vehicle, please have the freedom to do that, but we 're now seeing there have been carrots. Uh, on electric vehicles from these um, uh, tax income credits, both from the federal and from the state. And and people have not been buying the percentage that the PBIs, the politicians and bureaucrats, think that they should. And so now there was the carrot, and we're starting to see force. So I think my point is, is uh, here we're seeing that maybe a carrot, if you will, a let a note saying, hey, you may want to get your kids vaccinated. But the next thing that could come down the pike is is force. I know it's hard to believe, but I see that coming now.
2: Well, and they use the vaccine tracking system in Florida to go door to door um, to try to improve the rates. And you're right. It's all about the numbers, the benchmarks, the measures, the the goals. These are all just numbers. But as they trickle down, they translate into mandated policies at the state level and you know, it's like some people think they don't they don't want to be in this tracking system. They should be asked permission before they get put in there. But that's not the case. You know, you get put in there without your knowledge and consent. And efforts to try to make this what we would call an opt-in where they would have to ask permission failed. And they failed because and, – and this was – told to me by the sponsor of that bill in 2005 that if if we asked permission then we wouldn't be able to capture everybody. And that that happened in 2005. And then in oh. 2007 is when they expanded it to include adults. So a lot of your listeners probably going, "Hmm, I didn't know I was possibly
0: in this database." Oh my gosh. Hey Cindy, uh, we're going to go to break. Heather, we're going to go to break be- and when we come back, Heather, I want to ask you about, uh, you know, we thought, we thought we kind of dodged a bullet, if you will, uh, regarding this last legislative session because that bad bill, uh, House Bill, what was it, 1312, did not pass. But then an executive order was issued by Governor Polis. And uh, you and I talked right after that. And, you again, you kind of took a, a sigh of relief. But then something just happened that you're – that's one of the reasons why we're doing this show. So let's go, go to break. We'll be right back with uh, Heather Laudenpera and Cindy Loveland. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson, and we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. You know, Steve, I think I need to slow down. I have so many questions I want to ask Heather Ladenpara and Cindy Loveland that I'm tripping over my words, so I think maybe I should slow it down just a little bit. What do you think?
2: Okay, well, uh, <laughs> good luck we'll, with this. Yeah,
0: so, Heather, I, I want to talk to you just a little bit. Uh, first of all, I want to mention you have written an excellent piece, you said CDPHE Mines the New Oil Health Data. And uh, this is going to be uh, on my website, I think, on sun, it might maybe tomorrow. I'm not sure when Zach's going to get that up. But uh, if you want, it'll be in the newsletter for sure. If you want to be on my email list, go to uh, kim at americhicks.com and sign up. Or americhicks.com, you can sign up for the newsletter there. And uh, that's going to be coming out. And uh, it's somewhat riveting, the new oil health data. Um, but we'll come back to that because... The executive order that had come down by Governor Polis, I talked to you, and you you seemed to me, at least I thought, kind of breathed a sigh of relief. And then what happened? Well,
1: so Governor Polis issued an executive order this summer trying to give ways that vaccination rates can be increased. Um, He has been very clear that he does not believe that mandating parents to vaccinate is a good idea. So his executive order had several things, uh, directions in it. One is very, uh, one of them is getting vaccinations to underserved areas where people can't get vaccinations, can't afford them, can't get to the health department, can't, can't do that. So that makes a lot of sense. And then he also had a statement in the executive order that said he was uh, proposing to the State Board of Health an increased use of, use of standardized, easy-to-print medical and non-medical exemption forms. Easy to print is in there, um, and uh, form is in there. But it says clearly an increased use. It doesn't say go against statute, break the law, force people to use it. It says increase the use, make them available. That's They have been available um, for the past several years. Now the Board of Health is taking that as a justification to create a rule change. So a stakeholder uh, notice was sent out to people interested from the immunization branch in CDPHE stating that a request, request for a rulemaking hearing was going to be at the Board of Health in September and that the hearing would be in November. Um, and so clearly that's moving forward. There are uh, forms up that you can look at to see what the forms will look like. Now, a few years ago, when 1164 in 2016 went through the legislature and didn't pass that bill, uh, wanted the same thing: entering entering your information into a form with personally identifiable information to the health department. They created those forms before that legislation even ran. After the legislation failed, they informed schools that parents would have to use those forms. And I feel, Kim, like it's Groundhog Day the exact same thing is happening right now in 2019. There are parents at schools being told their children may not go to school unless they use that form. That is not the law. I told you the law, the statute. You can write a letter. So um, so the Board of Health is trying to circumvent FERPA. If you- And what is FERPA?
0: What's FERPA, Heather?
1: uh, FERPA is a privacy act that is related to schools. It's called the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. And that requires written parent consent before any information on the student record is shared outside of the school. So when you submit your vaccine exemption to the school, your letter, it is protected under FERPA. And CDPHE is misinforming schools, telling parents to put it into the the health department. They're trying to circumvent that that federal law. Wow. Um, And we also have student data privacy laws um, that are state, and those are trying to be circumvented. So, in the end, this rulemaking will confuse parents. It will confuse the schools. It will still not be the law. They're trying to circumvent the law
0: with a rule. And um, And this is is an unelected, uh, this is appointed people. They're not elected, and so they're not accountable to us. And I see such danger in that, Heather.
1: Yes. If, If a state agency doesn't get what they want in legislation... Is that okay for all of our state agencies to go rogue and make rules and try to circumvent law? I mean, can you imagine, Kim, if all, all of our federal agencies, all of our state agencies, in any different arena, pick your pick your agency, and is it okay for them to bypass the law and make their own rules and then misinform the public and create confusion? Our, our uh, agencies are supposed to build pub- public trust. Not erode
0: them. They're supposed to be serving us. They're not. Yes. We're not supposed to be serving them, uh, ladies. This uh, conversation is going very quickly. We're going to have to have you back, Cindy Loveland. Let's let's toss it over here to you on these uh, these forms, which would be data collection. You know, we we want to protect our kids from the bad guys when you know from a physical standpoint out there. But what about this data? Uh, where could that end up? We need to protect our kids' data as well, not just their own physical little bodies. There, so Cindy. Uh, you know, tell us what you're thinking.
2: Well, the, the health department knows that the FERPA, that federal law that applies to the schools, is a problem. And this is why they keep trying to get people to give them that directly. Because if, if they get a hold of that data, then HIPAA comes into play. And that's the Health Insurance Affordability Act. That's the Privacy Act. And HIPAA actually... Has no protection for that data. Once they have it, they can share it with a long list of entities without your knowledge and consent. So, this is why, you know, they don't like the fact that the schools have that data because it is protected. If you give it directly to the health department, it's gone, you know, and there's not much you can do about it. They say you can quote opt out, but we like to use the term. It's like Hotel California. You can check
0: out, but you can never leave
2: because they never purge the data.
0: You know, and I wanted to back up to this hearing thing also, Cindy, um, because the Uh, Air Quality Control Commission is under the CDPHE as well. And uh, so all these different agencies have hearings. And then if you have a concern about something and you didn't go to the hearing, they say, hey, we had a hearing and you guys didn't show up. And it's like, well, I'm working. I didn't know about it. I'm taking care of my families. I mean, you could... You could be 24-7 almost going to hearings and, and writing letters and, you know, uh, so that your voice would be heard. So I was uh, going to go down to the Air Quality Control Commission, again, as part of CDPHE, to make comments during the time they advertised public comments. And when I got down there, they said that they were going to be there from 12 to uh, yeah, twelve to 3 uh, and then also 6 to 8. I got down there at 7.15 that night because that's the earliest I could get there, and they left. And I thought, wait a minute, you you said you wanted to hear what we had to say. And so I think in in some ways this is just a shell game, Cindy. It is very, extremely frustrating
2: to try and have an impact on an administrative role. It's even harder than trying to have an impact you know when you go down to the capitol at least when you go to the capitol you've got an elected official that's representing you and they they have hearings and they usually do their best to let people at least give two minutes um that's not always the case at at you know these
0: state rulemaking. well and uh, so that's why i you know, we need to stay on top of this. Heather, you did amazing work in keeping people informed about this last bill, 1312. I'm hearing through the grapevine that we're going to have a cousin of 1312 uh, this next legislative session, and so we need to be prepared on that. Heather, we've got just about 30 seconds, final thought, and then Cindy, final thought.
1: Thanks, Kim. Uh, my final thought is that this uh, seems as if it only pertains to a very small percentage of people out there who are taking vaccine exemptions, and I'm sure there's many people out there thinking, well, you know, that doesn't matter to me. I fully vaccinated my kids. It does matter because if we allow now children to be tracked like that, the next people to be tracked are the adults because there is Healthy People 2020, an adult vaccination schedule out there. They're going to restrict children from school if you don't take 52 shots and however many more they want to get and add to the schedule. Well, guess what? When the adult schedule comes out, what restrictions are going to be on parents and adults? What – do you want to be tracked? Do you want your choices to be made by the government or you're penalized? This is a big deal. This data collection across the board, but specifically on health choices, in my opinion, is a very,
0: very – the wrong road to go down. And, Level, Loveland, I think that – Heather, pretty well said it all, don't you? Yeah. Just okay. real
2: quick – um, I would encourage your listeners to register for the NVIC Advocacy Journal at ndicadvocacy.org And all the information on this is there.
0: Okay. Cindy Loveland, thank you so much. Heather Ladenpara, thank you so much.